Hey everyone, welcome back to the Noteworthy Podcast. This is your host, Nathan French. I'm excited that you're here today. Last week, I had the opportunity to interview my dear friend, DJ Hill. DJ serves as the Georgia District Director of Promotions, and he also serves as Pastor of Evangelism at Atlanta West Pentecostal Church. Last week, you heard part one. So I want to uh, preface this episode with um, today is part two of that interview. So if you didn't hear part one, uh, you can go back and listen to that. There's about a 30 minute uh, series of part one there. And then today is part two where we're going to uh, dive in and talk about DJ's preaching ministry, uh, some embarrassing moments he's had on platforms, and he's going to talk about some powerful worship experiences and leave Generation Z with some advice. Uh, guys, I'm so excited that you tuned in. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a rating and review. Now, guys, I really love to hear from you and get feedback about the show. Uh, and I try to um, kind of carve out the show uh, for the listeners and what they like to hear and what they are showing interest in. So if you, uh, I know I've never split an interview into two parts. Uh, personally, I did it for my schedule. Um, <laughs> and uh, and you, sometimes podcasts are about 30 minutes to an hour. So this interview was over an hour. So I split it into two parts. Um, if you guys do not like that, or if, if you want to hear an interview as a whole, um, please feel free to reach out to me at Nathan and Rachel music at gmail.com. Um, but I thought this just might be a nice way to break it up, uh, split it into 30 minute segments for you guys and also free up the old schedule. So guys, thanks for tuning in. It's going to be a great conversation with my friend DJ Hill part two. Let's go. Love it. So um, I want to talk a little bit about about preaching for a minute, okay. right? And and having a podcast is a blast, bro, okay. because I get to ask all of my favorite preachers, right, mm -hmm. how oh. they preach, what their style of preaching is, and they just invest into me. And I'm telling you, I am a better man over the last year yeah. of my life That's awesome. from getting to talk to people like yourself yeah. and men of God that invest into me. And so when I get a chance to talk to a preacher, right, and and uh, you're a great preacher, you've preached at my church, um, you, I've heard you preach at camp, uh, you're a great preacher, bro, you connect with students, um, I mean, you could do anything from a kid service to a youth service to a conference, uh, that's very special. Not everybody can communicate with that many different age ranges. Um, but would you mind sharing with us, because the podcast has a lot of listeners that they'll email me and say, I feel a call to preach, that's right? Awesome. Yeah. I feel a call to preach, but I'm young. I don't know where to start. Guess what? My dad's not a preacher. My mom is not a preacher. Matter of fact, my parents aren't even in church. And I have felt a huge burden yeah. over the last year to ask these questions about 
the the basics, yeah. right? Because everybody sees the great men of God, but mm-hmm. who were they before they were preaching, right? Yeah, definitely. And so what steps do you take? And you can be real practical, as okay. spiritual as you want, right. but I like them to hear the practical side because mm-hmm. that is the part that they're really struggling with. What right. does it look like for you? So for me, um, I think the practical is a spiritual. Mm-hmm. Jesus was extremely practical. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was God-ordained and spiritual for Moses so he doesn't burn himself out to yeah. find 70 elders. Well, that's very practical. You can't do it all yourself. That's spiritual as well. So I don't think they're separate. Mm-hmm. I think they work hand in hand. Yeah. Um, so my my practice is I get my wife to write my notes, and then I just go up there and preach them. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, she does help me often, actually. It'd probably she's, be pretty good. Yeah, she's incredible. So <laughs> I would say sermon seeds. When I'm, um, when I'm reading the Bible, when I'm out and about, I get this idea. Uh-huh. For instance, uh, an idea I just said um, that is a seed because it can grow into a sermon. Sometimes a sermon windles down to a seed. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, oh, that was a cool idea. What did I mean by it? And that makes no sense. Uh, w- when I said that pleasure in them that do those things, uh, I, I thought of pleasure that poisons. There's a pleasure that poisons, even though mm-hmm. it feels good. But when we watch all this bad stuff, it really poisons our spiritual life. And so I wrote that down while we've been talking. Poisons. So I wrote that down. And I have all these things, and then, okay, I'm asked to preach, and I, I'm trying to hear from God. I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm doing all the spiritual things, which are vital. That's always my foundation. And I hear from God, okay, I'm preaching uh, at a youth rally for Brother Nathan French, Section 5. Oh, man, I love Section 5. I, Ooh, that sounds like uh, a powerful event. I love, I love those students. And so, God, what do you want me to say? What, what's going on in their lives? What's happening in the vein of the Spirit? Does it, does it need to be conviction? Does it need to be purpose, calling? Does it need to be forgiveness? Does it need to be submission? What does it need to be? Does it need to be doctrine or edifying? What does it, does it need to be worship and praise? What's going on in the spirit right now? Help me. Cause God's already, he knows the future. So he could tell me in two weeks, they're going to need to really get out of this. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what it is yet. So I always ask God, he has the answer. Um, and then let's say it's going to be conviction. So pleasure that poisons don't take pleasure in things. Brother Jerry Jones says that he does his best to study at least 20 hours per sermon. So right now I'm at about 15. That's not including prayer time or fasting. Because if it's that, then I had 24 for fasting a day, you know? Um, And why is that? Because Catholic priests, if uh, I remember the stat correctly, for every minute that they're going to speak, they have to study an hour. Wow. For, For a heart surgeon or a brain surgeon, they have to go to school over 10 years plus after high school. Which is all important, the, the doctor and stuff. But if they're putting that much dedication into doing brain surgery, how much dedication should I be as a preacher when I might have one chance at that Section 5 youth rally mm-hmm. to reach that guy whose parents aren't in church and he's barely hanging on from a thread? He came there to play basketball and talk to girls. I must do the very best. And so I don't want to just say, I'm going to open my Bible and say, God, give me the words. Blame it on me. No, God, I'm going to give you more to work with. I'm going to create an altar like Elijah did. I'm going to create an altar so that when it's time for you to move, you move. So right. I try to put that study time. And what I do is I, I get all these scriptures, as much supporting scriptures and supporting stories from the Bible as possible. And I, I, I put them all together on, a sheet, on sheets of paper. And I literally cut each verse out and each story out. And I sit on the ground. I call it my lab. And I just mix chemicals. Well, I'm going to start with this verse and then this story and then two verses and then this story. And I'm like, no, that doesn't really fit. And so I rearrange it because it's all cut out and I just kind of have this flow. So I've already written it one time and I'm constantly reading it. So I'm kind of memorizing it so I can really engage with the audience and I know um, the verses and kind of where God's leading me. Right. 
And this is all very spiritual too, because I'm praying throughout it, God, where where does this need to fit? Where does this mm-hmm. point need to go? Exactly. And then I rewrite it again. And so I've written it three times now and I re and then I type it up. Mm. So it's four times. So I'm constantly over this and um, then I'm kind of ready to preach it. But before I go out at the section five youth rally, I'm going to preach on the pleasure that poisons. I'm going to go to a prayer room. I'm going to go to my room in my back in my closet. and I'm going to preach it to myself. I'm going to not practice it, mm-hmm. but I'm going to read my notes to myself right? and say, DJ, are you looking at stuff on social media? Are you, are you engaging in conversations that's pleasurable, but it's poisoning your mm-hmm. spirit? Wow. And I preach it to myself and I pray hard and I say, God, I don't want none of this in me. I want to live what I preach. And will I struggle again with it? Of course, we're, we're humans, but that's the exception. That's not the rule. I'm no longer a sinner saved by grace. That's not what I am. I'm a child of God. So sin isn't who I am. It's an exception. So I preach it to myself. And then before I go up there, I preach it with the right spirit. I make sure that there's forgiveness in me and love that I'm not trying to be jaded or pointed. And I know my audience. If if I'm preaching to children, uh, I'm not going to go up there and say, come on, turn or burn, get right or get left. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to be a little bit more animated and, you know, have props and stuff. So you know your audience. So that's practical. If I'm going to do a section five youth rally, I, I want to do the best to know my, my audience. Is it, audience. is it mostly all church kids? I was preaching for Brother Scott Smith, and I knew there was a lot of first generation that just got in church over the last few months. So I didn't say, I'm going to preach on Noah, and all of us know this story, because they might not. Right. So I want to know my audience. And then afterwards, this is very key, I evaluate myself. I always go back and listen to myself, which is very hard to do sometimes. But I realize that when I get excited, I speed up by like 500 words a minute. So I go back and evaluate, not the content or what God did, but I say, man, when I get excited, I'm like, and no one's <laughs> understanding me what I'm saying, or right. I'm not breathing. And so I'm distracting mm-hmm. in my body language or whatever. So I go back and evaluate wow. myself to say, That's God, how can I be a better vessel the next time you open the door for me to preach? Wow. How can I be better? Um and, and I, I frankly think that's what the disciples did. Uh, they obviously evaluated themselves in their churches. Paul wrote to the church, be better, Corinthians. Be better. Why? Because you're supposed to reach the world. So be if they're being better as a walk with God to be an example, right. I need to be better as a preacher so that when I'm preaching, I'm less of a distraction. Yeah. So that would kind of be uh, my sermon preparation. And that's so good. I love that practical advice and... It's hard listening to to yourself. Bro. Oh, it's miserable. I hate it's it. It's hard. I mean, I've I've tried it a couple times, and it's funny. Like preaching is the hardest to me, right? Because mm-hmm. Rachel and I, you know, we're musical artists, so obviously we hear ourselves singing, or we'll go to a church yeah. and they're playing "Great and Mighty" or "When mm-hmm. Glory Watch Glory." I've somewhat kind of gotten used to the singing part. Yeah, like you know, I'm used to hearing myself sing because of the different stuff. But bro. When it comes to preaching, yeah. I have the hardest time hitting yeah. play on that. So I, I respect that discipline because yeah. that is not easy to do. I, I Man, I down on myself big yeah. time. Oh, I am too. And one thing that Brother Matthew Johnson taught me is he said, don't, don't evaluate yourself. And also tell Natalie after I preach, don't critique me for at least seven days because I'm so vulnerable because mm-hmm. I just opened my heart up and opened my <laughs> spirit up yeah. that if you critique me or if I critique myself, I can literally crush myself. Mm-hmm. So wait a few days. Till kind of the the spirit and the emotion of it and the the investment of it, that feeling leaves a little bit. So you can be a little bit um, 
more able to handle it. And one thing, uh, the practical of why, because if you listen to some of my first sermons, which I deleted from every database, but I have to humble myself when I feel like I'm a cool guy. Um, I used to say, you know what I'm saying all the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I'd preach and talk about Jesus and how he walked on water. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, it was crazy that Peter got out the boat. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And then I would see kids <laughs> counting. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you know what no. I'm saying? And so I had to go back and say, man, I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? You Not know what I'm count. saying? Not a lot. Count. And it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? So to break that or um or uh or amen, amen or hallelujah, you got to go back and evaluate to be better, to yeah. be less of a distraction. Yeah. So um, that's kind of the practicality practicality of going back and listening to yourself. Uh, Matthew Faircloth and James Barler, um, if you're listening right now, I love you guys. But they like to tease me. Uh, they, they both listen to the show. Okay. And they count. Um, I've had a couple episodes where I released it, and they come out on Sunday. On Monday, I got a text. Wow count, 27. Right? <laughs> That's awesome. I'll say wow yeah. like 30 times. You need to write down a bunch of synonyms. Awesome. And you know what? Ka-chow. At first, I was like... Man, I gotta stop doing that. And then I realized, you know what? I'm gonna be wowed and ain't nothing. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna be wowed. <laughs> wow, I'm wow, wow, so wow. Great. <laughs> this is for you guys. Wow, wow, wow. Because yeah. I get to talk to some great people. Yeah. I'm truly like just in awe of some things that I get to hear. Now, um, I know we're all a product of people that have invested in Definitely. our lives. Um, you know, like my pastor, my father, Talmadge French. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I know your pastor is always number one. Definitely. And you can definitely include him. But what are some men of God or just people that have invested into your life? Uh, first, I would say Brother Shepherd of Columbus, Georgia, the Church of Columbus, uh, for pastoring the church that I was born again at. I, I can't thank him enough for sacrificing and doing that. So I would say Brother Shepherd. Brother Shepherd. Um, I honor him and uh, I'm thankful that you got to build a church in Columbus, Georgia, your mom and you, and that I got to be there. Uh, the second is Brother Wiseland, accountability during Bible college. So he actually came out of my church in Columbus, and I didn't know that. And this guy comes up to me. He's like, hey, uh, your pastor told me to make sure you're coming to church all the time. And I'm like, oh, okay. So every Thursday I go to his house and do laundry. Uh, Sister Debbie, you're an incredible cook. I want some <laughs> of your walnut chicken again and your egg rolls. It's awesome. Oh, praise um, God. He's assistant pastor now in uh, South Carolina. And he just kept me accountable and a very solid foundation at Bible college. And I can't say this enough. Brother and Sister Crestman is my spiritual parents. When I uh, lived in Dallas, Texas for two years, I literally lived with them. And every morning at 5 a.m., I would hear him praying. And I would, I would see him come into the room and he'd pray over my ministry, over my life, over my wife, over my kids. Wow. So I can't thank them both enough. And Sister Crestman, for the example of what a godly woman is, um, I know sometimes just not necessarily trauma, but just my background, I don't open up good to women. I'm kind of away from them, but uh, you mean so much more than I really even show you. You're an incredible example, Sister Cressman. So teaching me how to pray, uh, being a home for me, an example, and then accountability, um, just a solid rock in my life. And then Cullen and Lindsey Cressman, uh, he's a professor at Urshan College. He is the greatest young man of God that I know. Uh, I love Cullen. I respect him so much. He is brilliant. And I honestly would say I wouldn't have a prayer life if it wasn't for him. Oh. Uh, when I lived in uh, at Gateway, I didn't have a prayer life, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later. And um, I stayed with him. And so every morning at 6, he'd wake me up, which he probably regrets because he got me falling in love with coffee. <laughs> so imagine my personality with coffee first thing in the morning. Ooh. And, um, man, yeah, no music man. was really loud. I'm screaming, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so he really taught me to pray and love and just – 
an incredible friend. I can bounce stuff off of him. And then my wife, uh, she really influences me. She helps me to make sure my spirit's right um, and just makes me smile every day. My pastor brother, John's. And then I can't thank the United Pentecostal Church International enough that for giving me a home, uh, allowing me to minister at your churches, uh, giving me fellowship and friends, all the different people that have given me words of advice. Because of this fellowship, I get to listen to your podcast and get to hear from guys like Brother Victor Jackson. And I get to go to Youth Congress and General Conference and all these great places in youth ministry training, August 6th and 7th. Brother Nathan French is actually doing music. <laughs> I get to go to these places and be better as a minister. So the UPCI right. as a whole, my, my brother and sisters in arms, that, that would be the men and women of God that influence me. And That's have. beautiful, man. That's beautiful. I thank God for that. Now, um, I... I've asked this question a few times. I don't ask everybody this question, okay. right? So this one I kind of save for certain people. Yeah. But what's your most embarrassing moment on a platform? Um, so before <laughs> I go there, I kind of want to talk about a church that I'm never going to preach at again. Um, I just got done preaching, and I was extremely sweaty, and it's cold outside. And so I always bring an extra uh, shirt that I can change into if I'm going to go out to eat with the, the pastor and stuff. <laughs> And I walked into the pastor's office, and my, my oh, shirt is dripping. Lord. And I'm like, why is it so wet? i like, this is my uh, fresh shirt. I knew this and I didn't realize that uh, the youth pastor actually wore it. And he wondered why it was so tight and why the sleeves were so long and why it kind of went down to his ankles. He wore it into the baptistry and baptized somebody. Uh, so I'll never preach at that church again. I'm joking. Listen, <laughs> I was like... For the for you that are listening, he's telling a true story. I was, Nathan. and he's and I know it's a big shocker. He's talking about me. That's yeah. right. <laughs> he's talking about me. I. They said somebody needs to be baptized. I go to the church bathroom to change to baptize somebody yeah. for the kingdom DJ. Yeah, on, and now. I try on this shirt, and I'm like, this shirt feels a little tight. <laughs> Yeah, and for those of you who might not have seen me and DJ in person, DJ's like seven eleven, and I'm like five nine or something <laughs> like that. And uh, and so obviously the shirt didn't fit. I was like, that's kind of strange. I went and baptized somebody, soaked the shirt, and as I got back down, the service ends. DJ comes to change, and he's like, "Where's my shirt at?" <laughs> and I'm like. Oh, no. And I realized it was DJ's shirt. So his shirt that he was going to change into was used to baptize somebody. So it was for the kingdom. Needless to God. say, I got pneumonia so after That's that. one of my most embarrassing moments. <laughs> but what's one so of your most embarrassing? One of mine. Um, I'll start with this. I was in Arkansas, and this is actually on YouTube. I won't tell you how to find it. Oh, it's um, on YouTube? I was I was a freshman at Bible college, and we went on like this uh, group trip, and w- I was a preacher. W- dot, no, and they did a cardboard testimony, which is awesome. Uh-huh. So as soon as they finished, like people came to the altar. They're worshiping. Someone received the Holy Ghost. Like, God is moving. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't have to preach. Um, and it, you know, I was like, okay, it's done. And the pastor was like, well, we brought you here to preach, so you got to preach. I was like, I don't know what to preach. I don't feel anything like you know, I'm new, so I didn't really know to talk to God and ask him what should I do. So I was just like, my plan is shot because the notes I had doesn't really go with the moment. So I don't know what to do. I'm not spiritual yet. I'm still, you know, learning from Cullen and Brother Crespin. And so he said, well, just go up there and say something. So I got an empty piece of cardboard and I went up there and uh, talking super fast so you won't be able to hear me. I wasn't speaking in tongues. I was talking English. And I was like, the front is that God is moving in this place and people are receiving the Holy Ghost, but let's flip it around and let God move even more. Come on, somebody shout. And so, you know, people are like, yeah, the organ's done. Drums are going. 
And so I, I sling the cardboard down to like point or to do something to preach harder. And when I did, it caught air and it went up and uppercutted one of the young ladies. Oh, and so her no. neck snaps back and then she just goes down in pain. <laughs> and I turn Wait, around and I look at her. Down. No, she just like is oh, buried no. in pain because it just like uppercutted her chin. I turn around, I give a thumbs up to someone next to her and they give me a thumbs up without even checking on her yet. Like, we yeah, don't like, know if she's alive. They're just like, yeah, you're doing good or something. Everything's fine. So I just kept preaching. So that's on uh, YouTube. The next one, I was in the children's ministry. YouTube. And, uh, yes. So if I were to search for that, uh, DJ Hill Cardboard. You're never going to find it. <laughs> it's in Arkansas. You can, you can um, DJ what Hill is it? Arkansas uh, Cardboard. I have to remember. I have to think of the DJ Punches Grove in face, yeah, Arkansas. Girls. <laughs> yeah, thank you, media team in that church for uh, clipping just that part out oh. and putting a minute of it up. Oh, I really appreciate you. That is awesome. Um, the worst is I was in Dallas, Texas. Brother Tom Foster was doing like a children's service, and I had this message where I dress up like a dentist, and the brushing of your teeth and flossing is repentance because it's getting all the bad stuff out, and then. Uh, when you rinse, it's it's baptism because it washes it away, and then the Holy Ghost is mouthwash because when it fills you up and it comes out, it's refreshing and it's a new it's a new feeling and all this. And so I'm preaching this, and before uh, I'm like, man, well, they have that little like vacuum cleaner thing where they get the water out. I need something like that, and I'm trying to be creative. I'm like, the the vacuum hose is too big. I can't do that. So I thought of air in a can. I was like, that's perfect. It kind of gives the same sound. I put the microphone near it and it <laughs> blow water out. It, it's going to be great. But when I when I tried to do it, it's actually my best friend Cullen that was laying in the chair. And I have like dentist scrubs on and I'm brushing his teeth, which is really hard to brush someone else's teeth. I was like stabbing him sure. in the back of his throat. <laughs> I get this air in a can and it's not, I can't squirt it because of the way he's laying back. So I have to turn it upside down. Well, I didn't know there's like nit- nitrogen oxide inside of it. And so when I sprayed it, all of a sudden white foam starts oh, coming out of his mouth. No. And it's starting to freeze and give him frostbite. Oh, my goodness. And so I'm like, some kid's about to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I hand the mic off to someone, and me and him run to the bathroom, and he's rinsing his mouth out. And he was pretty mad at me for three days. We didn't know how long it was going to last. For three days, he couldn't taste anything. Oh we tried goodness. sour, hot, sweet, spicy. We tried every kind of flavor. He couldn't taste at all. He could eat food, couldn't taste at all because his his tongue was literally uh, freezer burnt. Fr- oh so uh, that was pretty scary and embarrassing. And the That's students, awful. I still like at Youth Congress, some kid was like, well, you remember when you froze that guy's mouth? <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I'm going to get sued for that. You literally uh, froze a dude's mouth. And the one that happened recently, I was going off the platform and someone was kneeling at the altar and I stepped on their ankle and I rolled my ankle. And so I just laid on the ground. And uh, I didn't know if they thought I was, uh, you know, slain in the spirit. But I just laid there. And I was like, ah, God, it hurts. Uh, so I've had some embarrassing moments. Uh, the last one, I was preaching. And uh, this is why I evaluate myself. I won't say when. I was preaching and I wasn't breathing. And so I was putting a lot of strain on my abdomen area. And, um, yeah. So... <laughs> It wasn't when that came out. Oh no, that was pretty bad. Oh my god. So goodness. yeah, that that's probably the most embarrassing. <laughs> wow, you got some good ones, bro. I that I don't know the the frozen freezing the dude's uh, mouth to where he can't taste. That's one of my tops. Yeah. So we started a war because we went back to St. Louis. who was helping children's ministry at Brother Buford's. So we started this prank war now after that. And um, when I turned water to wine, I had Kool Aid at the bottom of the pitcher, and I replaced the water with vinegar at the last moment. <laughs> 
And I was like, man, the guy at the the marriage supper uh, or the the feast loved it. So he kept drinking it, right? And the kids were like, yeah. And I was like, okay, drink it, drink it, drink it. So he drinks a gallon of Kool-Aid vinegar and his eyes are like, Pouring water and it's so nasty. It was great. Uh, he's he's done stuff to me too. I'll let you. I'll let him tell the wow. stories. But yeah, we have we have fun. Mark Brown uh, shared one of his most embarrassing stories, and uh, he said he got his son up there on the platform. He's like, "I'm going to teach about the oneness of God. We're going to." And he said, "If I if if I really loved you." I wouldn't send my son to die for you. I would die for you, right? Uh-huh. And he's talking about like the oneness of God. Yeah. So he brings his son up there. And he's like, I'm using my son as an example, right? And he's like, I love you. And he says, now go save them. And he pushes his son, pushes his son off the platform. His son falls and hits. <laughs> and right when he hits, he just, awesome. <laughs> he starts screaming. And he said, everybody freaks out. And he's like, but they got the point. Yeah, they understood. Yeah, there's one God. If you don't awesome. believe it, there's I'm only one God. The don't push your kid off the platform. <laughs> wow. That's awesome, man. <laughs> Well, I know I'm like totally like majorly shifting gears here. I like it. But, um, you know, I think everybody has worship moments that stand out to them individually. I've referenced uh, CMI Awakening here Mm -hmm. uh, in Georgia, right? And to me, that was one of the most powerful worship experiences I have ever experienced to date. North American Youth Congress. Mm -hmm. Um, What is one of your most, and that's a hard question. Yeah. Uh, but I love it. What's one of your most powerful worship experiences so far? Well, I would say excluding like the big, the bigger moments. Mm-hmm. For me, um, I'm sentimental, so the little moments kind of can mean a little bit more, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my personal ones was the night I, I felt a call uh, to God to lead people to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and develop them into fully devoted followers of him that night under the stars. Um, another one, I was preaching a youth week. And that Friday night, I preached on repentance and getting rid of all the secret sins. The Saturday night, I preached on submission. I'm kind of preaching through the story of Joshua. And then the last night, I preached on um, now the great things can happen. Because when you're in a right relationship with God and you're submitted under your man of God or woman of God, then God can really use you and um, greater things can really happen. So the conference was called Greater Things. And I said, I'm not going to pray for anybody during this altar call. This is the second time I preach at this youth week. So they know I'm not scared to pray for people at the altar call. I'm very engaged. I love praying for people. Um, but I was like, I want the young people, if you need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, or if you're sick in your body and you need to be healed, I want these young people that have just been preached to all week about greater things and having faith that God can use them and that miracle signs and wonders can follow. I want them to be our altar workers. I've already asked the pastor for permission, and we we had a a way that we was going to do it that morning in the Sunday school class. I talked to the young people and kind of did a miniature training. And so I said, but before we do it and everyone comes up for healing and for salvation, um, I said, "Who, who is bona fide, like something that is visible that we can see something happening um, that needs to be healed to build faith. And this lady come up and she uh, had a sprained wrist and was in pain and had this brace on. So we asked her to take it off and she went up there and I said, I'm I'm not going to pray for her because everyone thinks only the the minister can do it. But God says that greater works will my disciples do. Mm -hmm. And so I got a couple of young people that volunteered and they came up there, which is brave. The whole church is watching them. They can't be hidden amongst the altar call. Everybody's watching them. The camera's on them. And, um, they prayed for her, and I said, pray with passion, come on, with fervency, give it everything you got. And they're praying, and there's a roar going up, and God's moving, and we're believing. And I asked the lady if there's any pain. 
And she said no. And so with permission, um, we had someone to hit her, hit her in her wrist. Because if it was really painful like it was before, then she couldn't move it. Then she, she would ounce or she can't fake it or, oh, people are watching. And so they hit her. And wow. appropriately, obviously, they didn't just like punch her in the face. Is your wrist hurting? <laughs> but they hit her and um, she had no pain in her wrist and she wow. was healed. And that day, um, I said, now be loose, young people. If you need to receive the Holy Ghost, raise your hand. And there's some guy three rows up in the back, raise his hand and like piranhas after some steak. They ran back there and they lay hands on him and two people received the Holy Ghost. And, that, and I didn't lay hands on anybody. So that was a really cool worship experience that I got to watch and really be a part of. And God used those young people, and I love it. And young people that are watching, you don't have to, to be old to be used of God. Do it now. Have faith now. Um, the same Jesus that uh, I have, you have, you, we have his same spirit. So God can use you when you're, when you're living in a right relationship with God and you're submitted to your spiritual authority. And then a private one is uh, a little bit before Natalie and I got married. Um, she came into a room, and I washed her feet, hmm. and I prayed over her that I would submit to her that I would listen to her, that we could be in this together. I can see her God-given dreams come true and God's purpose in her. And um, I gave my life to her wow. more than just at the wedding ceremony, but in that moment. And so kind of filling those tears on the back of my head while I'm washing my wife's feet and mm -hmm. praying over her ministry and over her anointing and over our marriage, um, that was a huge uh, worship experience. Wow. So, But I wouldn't suggest do that unless you have pastoral permission, obviously young people. But yeah. I had her dad and pastoral's permission to do that, and it was um, all done appropriately. Um, but that was that was something that sticks in my head. And anytime we don't agree or something like that, I, I go back to that moment that, that I'm called to serve my wife. Yeah. Um, so that would be my most powerful worship experiences. Man, that's beautiful, bro. Well, man, anytime I've been able to interview people like yourself i try to close with this question and uh, honestly it's always kind of hard to close it out because i just yeah. i just feel so blessed um to get to glean from people like you uh but you know at north american youth congress brother jack cunningham he preached about generation z mm -hmm. right and being apostolic to the core and man that that hit me hard because yeah. i'm like you know what i'm a millennial mm -hmm. right and 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 there's a generation underneath us. Yeah. And now they're looking to us. Right. And so what can we do to ensure that we are apostolic to the core? Because, um, you know, we've all seen people fall away from truth, mm -hmm. right? We've all seen people go a different way and, and be lost. And, and we're praying for those people every day. But what right. can we do? Those who have made up our mind, I want to be apostolic. What do we need to do to make sure that we're apostolic to the core? So this is not in any order, but just some initial thoughts that I have is you have to serve at your local church. Stop trying to go somewhere else. Bloom where you're planted. Um, serve your pastor. Serve your church. Your church. So good. You don't need a transfer. You don't need a ministry opportunity. You need to serve your church. What is the need? They need an assistant Sunday school teacher to hand out goldfish. That's your job. Taking out trash. That's your job. Sweeping, cleaning a bathroom, have a plunge in your hand, stacking up chairs. That is your job. Making sure there's tissue. Your pastor should be able to preach and give himself to the word and to prayer. Our job right. is to serve. So we have to serve our local church and submit to our pastor. Uh, a huge thing that kind of has helped define my life is what brother Fred Foster once said is, you can be young in years, but old in hours if you don't waste any time. 
Wow. If you have a 50-year-old basketball player that one day, every day of his life, he practices for one hour, and then you have a 25-year-old basketball player that practices two hours every day for the rest of their life, that means it's the same amount of time overall, and forget uh, ability of how your body works, but who do you think would be better at basketball? It'd be the 25-year-old because it's more potent. There's more in there. And so just like Brother Mark Brown preached at Youth Congress, I bet you Brother Lee Stone King isn't binge-watching Friends or any of those other shows, all that garbage. I bet you he's not watching sports all the time. You want to be like these great men of God, you have to put in the work to be like them. And you don't have to wait till you're old. Do it now. Start making sacrifices now. Make those investments now. Another one that I feel very strongly in our generation is we have to stop comparing and gossiping. Mm. It is tearing our people apart. It's tearing um, everybody apart. Um, I'm so excited for the great young men that are, are serving next to me, above me, right under me, or wherever you want to put them in that scale. Landon Gore, an incredible evangelist. God is using him all over the world. Brother Chris Green, Jamil McLaurin, Brother Nathan French. I can think of so many different people. I can think of women of God that are being used at a young age that are already speaking at women's conferences and that are youth pastors, Sister Kendra Shock, and all the crazy, amazing things that she's doing. You know, stop comparing it yeah. doesn't build you up to put somebody else down. God hates that. So don't, oh, they're preaching. Well, they're, they're this way. They're that way. Let's stop the comparing. Let's stop the gossiping. Um, that's tearing our people apart. And then just this past week, I got to be on a conference call with Amani from Ontario District. And um, he asked me, what would be my advice to this generation? Kind of the same question. And I said, fall in love with God. One thing that I wish I could change, if I could do it all over again, is I would want to fall in love with God sooner. Um, Serving God does not equal a relationship with God. Wow. Serving God does not equal a relationship with God. And as important as talents are, a relationship is more important. Because there's a huge difference in knowing about somebody and knowing them. them. LeBron James, number 23, the L.A. Lakers, I don't know him. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know me. Yeah. If I approach him, I'm just another person. So God forbid, Mm -hmm. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 happens in any of our lives. God, I prophesied in your name. Mm-hmm. I cast out devils in your, in name. your name. I did all things in your name. Mm-hmm. And God says, depart from me. Yeah. I never knew never you. Never knew you. Yeah. So if I could do it all over again, more than working on my preaching, more than serving, more than any of that, the most important thing I wish I could do all over again is I wish I fell in love with prayer, my Bible, and fasting sooner. So Generation Z, forget all the accolades, forget the ministry, because none of that matters. Right. What matters more is that you have a relationship with God. That's Brother right. Bruce Howell, when he preached my ordination service, he said the first time ordained is used in the Bible is when Jesus said he ordained them to be with him, to preach the gospel, to cast out devils, to heal the sick. And he kind of marched back that we're going to be used to heal the sick. We're going to be used to cast out devils. We're going to be used to do all these great things. But the first thing that we're called to do is to be with him. So God forbid that I do all this stuff, but I myself am disqualified. So young person, leader, more than just serving at your church, submitting to your pastor, which is so important, more than stop gossiping and comparing. If you can fall in love with God daily, it will change your life. The God that literally came down from heaven and died for our sins to have a relationship with us. And God forbid, I think that me preaching me going to youth rallies, me serving at a local church, me knowing any name, man of God or woman of God. God forbid that I equate that to a relationship with God. Right. But my favorite part of my day is when I get to wake up. Yeah. I get to talk to my Savior that 
forgave me of my sins, broke me of the chains of addiction, yeah. showed me what love is, put me on a new path. So young person, the best advice I can give you is fall in love with God. Yeah. Because nothing else matters if you don't have him. Right. Nothing else matters Man. if you don't have a relationship with God. That's beautiful, DJ. Man, and I, I, I love that you hit on the local church and serving and and where the need is at because I I think a lot of Generation Z is chasing platforms. They're chasing after if if I can just get on a big platform, yeah. then I can be used by God. And God spoke to me the other day, yesterday, and I'd never thought about it this way, but the the life that you live will not be viewed through the lens of platforms that you stand on. Yep. But the platforms that you stand on will be viewed through the lens of the life that you live. Yep. Everything that you do on a big platform will be because of what you did when there was no platform. Right. Every time we get an opportunity. And so thank you, DJ. Thank you for investing into the listeners. Thank you for investing into me. And what I would say is a lot of that comes from social media. Mm. Like that spiritual detox I talked about, young mm-hmm. people, I'm not your pastor. I'm not your voice of God. I'm not your woman of God. I'm not your parent. But in your dedication, in your consecration, go on a six-month social media fast so that all the comparison, all the gossip, all the all that stuff stops. Yeah. And learn to fall in love with God for real. In six months, get rid of all of it. Just don't even get on it. And it's going to help open your mind up so much to the spiritual things. And I think that's very important. LeBron James is not an incredible basketball player because he sat on the couch and ate Doritos all day. Right. It's because of what he did in private. And that's the only reason why you can see what you see in public. So I agree with you completely. I think Brother Myron Wyman Jr. said something like, don't let your public ministry be greater than your private commitment and devotion. Mm. And I think that's extremely true because if so— that's when Saul happens. Oh, wow. Because Saul didn't have an altar till later in his life. Yeah. And he had this public ministry, this public leadership role. And he ultimately failed because he didn't have a private devotion. Didn't have an altar. Wow. Well, man, DJ, this has been, I want you to know, this has been really special to me. And uh, I know that you have a really busy schedule. I know that it's district conference. I know we have to be at the campgrounds in like an hour. Um, so thank you for doing this. But I was wondering if you could close us out in prayer. God, thank you so much for your love for us. Worship you. That even while we were yet sinners, you still died for us. I pray that you'll bless each and every person that's listening to this podcast. Help us to realize that eternity is real and that there is a real heaven to gain and a hell to run away from. But more than just heaven or hell, we get to spend eternity with you. So I pray that we can get our priorities straight and that we lay aside every weight and sin, not just the sin, but every weight, everything that's slowing us down and let us run with endurance, with patience, the race that is set before us. So at the end of our life or at the time you call us home, we can say we fought the good fight, that we ran our race. So I pray that we get devoted, that we stop wasting, literally wasting so much time with earthly hobbies, that we can do But God, you call us to moderation. 
and help us to really be dedicated to you. I pray that we don't compare and gossip. I pray that we can serve at our local church, that we can submit to our spiritual authority. But more than all that, more than you want to use us, God, you want a relationship with us. So I pray that you can draw us closer to you, that we can get rid of every distraction, every distraction. And I pray that this generation realizes that they are called, they are anointed, that greater things are they going to do that miracle signs and wonders are going to follow, that they're going to have extremely amazing, crazy revivals because of their dedication, not because of their name, not because of anything else, but because of their relationship with you and the doors that you open. Help us to be humble. And God, help every single one of us to walk and talk with you until we walk and talk like you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. DJ, I love you, man. I'm so thankful for your friendship. And uh, I want you to know it's an honor to do ministry with you, bro. And uh, it means a lot to get to do this with friends. I I wouldn't want to live this life alone. I wouldn't want to do ministry alone. And so I thank God for people like yourself, bro. I love love you, you. man. Love you, bro. Love you. Thanks for being on the show. Yes, sir.